2: This is State of the Fish, a live call-in show for Miami Marlins fans, brought to you every week by the Fish Stripes Twitter account. Here's your host, Grant Kiefer.
3: We'll just go game by game here. Eli, what did you see from game one that, uh, yeah, just any, any general thoughts from opening back?
2: From the pitching matchup side, um, originally, about halfway through the game, I was getting vibes similar to what was 2021, where it was Sandy versus now, and both of them were pretty great. Um, And that game was decided in the later innings by the bullpen. But as it went on uh, the second time through the order, and then especially when Sandy began the third time through the order, it also looked more like last year's opening day, where he just did not have his control the way that he does when he's on top of his game. That's what makes him special is that he has such nasty stuff and so many different pitches he could go to. And then he could also get himself into favorable counts. And in this case, that's what was lacking a little bit um, is that he just wasn't throwing the pitches where he needed to that eventually came back to bite him just enough. And uh, even though, what was the nice surprise is to see the offense finally wake up in the bottom of the sixth inning and the Marlins were down 3 nothing and then pretty suddenly just erased that whole deficit. That was very exciting to see with Cooper hitting that home run. With Cooper last year, the big negative about his season is that he just wasn't hitting for power. And right off the bat, he has this one against Scherzer that like gets you really optimistic about what he could be in the middle of this lineup. And when it comes down to the end of it, uh, Tanner Scott didn't really have it at the bullpen. They ended up losing that bullpen battle. So that makes a difference yeah. in the end. All things considered, you know, not a terrible showing to start it off um, because between that home run, Luis Arise um, doing what he ultimately did, like all four games of the series, just being that on-base machine that was encouraging to see considering obviously how much they invested to acquire him in the first place. Yeah, all things considered, um, just one of those days where you get like a C effort from Sandy, if I had to give it a grade, maybe even a little worse than that by Sandy's standards. So um, uh, most days you just know that he's going to be better than that and he's going to be facing a weaker opponent than the Mets. So usually that's a game that's a lot more winnable for this team. Nothing too much to complain about from that very first game.
3: All right, and you bring up a good point. Something that I keep reminding myself is not – really get too all up in arms over this series or not act like the sky's falling is this is the New York Mets that they just played. It was a four-game series against the Mets, and there were points in all four games where it felt like they could have won it. Tied 3-3 on opening day. felt like you could have won it. Won on Friday. Um, they got up at some point on Saturday or with, within a run. No, they, they were up on Saturday they, they, after the uh, – uh, did Soler hit a home run? Was, uh, I forget who hit one. My memory's getting bad. Anyway, Sunday or today, I felt like that there was a point where the bases were loaded, no outs. Like, okay, maybe they can do this. But and again, it, it is early, but some disheartening signs early. We'll talk on the more positive. The, the Friday's game was, was a really good game. Lazardo, really, really, really good showing. Um, defense looked pretty good besides the one Jazz blunder, but he made up for it after hitting a home run. Um, bullpen looked pretty good. I really like what we saw from AJ Puck outside of one bad pitch. Uh, I, I thought that he showed signs of what an a actual closer for the Marlins could be.
2: It was ex- it was pretty exciting and encouraging from him uh, in that situation. A very awkward spot to be, um, knowing that this is just not the usual traditional setup from a bullpen standpoint. These guys don't know exactly when they're getting into a game. They're not assigned to a, a certain ending like so many guys were under Mattingly for those years. It's an adjustment to get ready at, at the right time. And we know that Puck missed a little time in the spring due to injury that slowed him down just a little bit. It's clear that he was able to make up for lost time uh, well in time to be what seems to be you know the best version of back to 100% right now. He did allow that solo. He allowed the home run to Pete Alonso during that ending. Obviously, not a perfect ending. It's just the quality of his stuff and those other matchups against Lindor and against Kana and getting the final out against McNeil. Um, I'd say there's more good than bad in that one ending to leave you pretty encouraged that he's going to be an upgrade over the guys that they had pitching high leverage endings last year. The biggest story of that game, the teal throwbacks looked um, immaculate out there. And they brought the good vibes with them. Lizardo having the kind of outing that he did. I've been extremely high on him coming into the season. And that is kind of what it looks like. Um, really, the only blemish was that sixth inning. He finally began to fade a little bit with his control. And that's why he couldn't get through the inning. Uh, but for the first five and a third out of that, or it, he was just terrific. He was That's the kind of pitcher that going up against the same lineup that obviously Sandy went against the day before and other guys went up against on Saturday and Sunday with mediocre results. Um, The fact that Lizardo stood out as much as he did, that just like validates everything that we've already saw from him late last year. If he is healthy, he is to me, like the very clear number two in this rotation. And I think on a performance basis, he could do everything he did last year, um, if not even a little bit better, he is really breaking out into a complete pitcher.
3: Yeah, yeah, and he, he will definitely be the number two pitcher if the guys who also pitch this weekend don't start to get it together. Although Rogers looked fine, but we'll we'll go to Saturday's game. Edward Cabrera, a little bit of a shaky showing. Command wasn't really there. I felt like I thought Nick Fortis called a good game for him, but lots of mound visits. Mel had to try and calm him down. Um, and he, he just looked a little bit rattled, didn't really look like himself, and then often started to not produce late in that game. Uh, just a lot of things piled up towards the end of that game, where as early on in the first half of that game, you really thought the Marlins had a really good shot at going up 2-1 in the series and all of a sudden being over 500, which I feel like we never hear that in the same sentence as Miami Marlins anymore.
2: Almost every year they get off to a shaky start to the season, and – that's just because the team. In most cases, it boils down to the team just not being very good. Um, in this case, that was the most, probably the most frustrating loss of the series for sure. Going in that game, zero for seven with runners in scoring position. Arise getting on four different times and not scoring in any of those opportunities. Only the Fortes home run was all their run production in that game. That that was the one that certainly out of the three losses in this. That's the one that. Felt winnable, even though the final score was a four-run margin of defeat right there. Well, yeah, with Edward, that's kind of the risk that you have with him. Um, he compared to Sandy, like he as as like sloppy as Sandy was with locating his pitches, Edward was even more worrisome in this one. Only threw 47% of his pitches for strikes. And that translates pretty well to like. Completion percentage in football, where if you're below 50% in this day and age, that's pretty disastrous, especially if you're going – you're a starting pitcher. It's just not sustainable at all. Um, What The bright side is that even when guys make contact with him, it's so weak. It's so difficult to square him up because of the quality of his stuff. That's why I always go back and forth with him in terms of what I realistically expect from him moving forward. Um, The thing is he's just usually not going to allow – much damage because he is so hard to make solid contacts against at the same time. If he has games like this, he's just not going to go deep into the game. When you put so many runners on with walks, uh, there's a lot of downside. You can make very minor issues or just get unlucky and it could open up the floodgates. Um, With Edward, you you hope to see a little bit more progress. Um, he, He had some of these starts last year, even mixed between his dominant ones he is to me like the most difficult pitcher to really get a grip on considering the good and the bad that comes with it. They got all these runners on base and just couldn't do very much with it. in This game, this was, we saw Jesus Sanchez and De La Cruz both starting. This was the game that Avi Garcia took a seat. Uh, this was, there's was a lot of, I think, positive uh, vibes about this lineup when it came out and they just couldn't Get that critical hit. It was a very familiar story to what we saw the early part of last year. It's six different Mets pitchers, like almost all of them danced with some trouble at various points. That was simply put uh, the frustrating one of this series.
3: Yeah, you, you want to talk about a guy who danced around trouble, but magically got out of it, or you could say ghosted his way out of it with that ghost work workball. Kodai Senga, I mean, what an outing for him, but early on, gave up a runner pretty quickly, allowed the first four Marlins batters to get on base, which included, obviously, Garcia by some miracle, and
0: he he got
3: out of the Bases loaded. Marlins didn't score any runs. First off, you look, you look at the first inning today. Trevor Rogers goes up two runs, which were pretty much all self-imposed. He, he had a bad throw. He, he loaded the bases up after what could have been a double play, pitched, I think, like, 20 pitches after. Um, the the get out of that inning. It, it seems so unnecessary, but he settled in pretty well after that. I, I like what I, I saw from him after that. or It feels like a polar opposite of one of the starts last year, whereas he would get through the lineup the first time, pretty much unscathed. A lot of times he put a base nine and put down nine right away last year and then got shellacked the second and third time through. I felt like he was getting really predictable, but today that wasn't the case. Um, he got Hit pretty well today and uh, starting to settle in a little bit more. That, that was a story for both pitchers. And um, uh, it, it's just pretty disappointing that they had the bases up, hard um, of the order coming up in the fifth spot, f- five, six, seven still left to, to come up in the inning, chance to take the lead or at least tie it, bare minimum tie it. And, and they didn't. I, I just felt like the story today. I mean, even in the eighth inning when it seemed like uh, the game was over, it was five to one. They still had runners on, had a chance to. Get within one with one swing of the bat potentially, and it
0: just didn't happen.
2: First taste of Senga because I don't think they faced him during any of the spring training games, and he's going to be here for a while. You got to get used to him, at least the next three years. Until he could potentially opt out of his contract, and the next five, for whatever reason things don't go swimmingly, he is nasty stuff. He is in a lot of rotations. He's a guy that's near the top of a rotation, and with the Mets. He's, he's certainly buried, at least among American fans, in terms of his his high, his profile and what we know about him. But you can see it on display that he backed himself into a pretty bad spot immediately. The Marlins had one run in already with the bases loaded and nobody out, and they didn't score the rest of the game. Like, the odds of that happening, <laughs> still having 27 outs to play with, having the bases loaded at that time, and getting nothing the rest of the way, um, even by this like team standards. That is pretty pathetic. Tough to watch. Um, This is the opposite of the Saturday game. We're coming into it. Everybody expected the worst from this lineup. Um, I think I'm with you. You're with me. I think a lot of people are together that it doesn't make sense in any situation to have Avi Garcia batting fourth in your lineup. You just don't want him to bat a lot because he's not good at batting over the last year. Plus there's been certainly in spring, there was no sign of any change in that regard you need him to actually prove himself and do something before you give him like all these plate appearances in front of people. And unfortunately the way that they put this lineup together, like the guys below him, honestly weren't super inspiring either Um, with Yuli Gurriel still has a lot to prove to bounce back to what he used to be. And he had a couple very uncharacteristic strikeouts in this one. When you wrap up uh, this whole series together in three of the four games, I believe what just stood out is how many strikeouts there were. This is a team during the off season with the moves that they made, they positioned themselves to be one of the elite teams in making contact. And for that, not to that didn't really show itself much at all during this opening series, just on a case by case basis, you could point to a few guys with arise being the obvious one who did what they were advertised to do. But as a whole, um, that was a big deficiency that held them back in these opportunities is not putting the ball, the bat on the ball when they absolutely needed to. So in this case, this was not a lot of positives from this game uh, aside from that first inning as you mentioned the, the the whole feel of it was non-competitive even though they were kind of within reach it, it shouldn't it, it really didn't fall that far behind in any one aspect of it um and with this Trevor rogers start i, I can't feel too strongly one way or another it looked kind of similar to last year um but Certainly the way that he straightened himself out that second time through the lineup, how efficient he was in that second, third, and fourth inning, that was encouraging. So some positives, some negatives. I think if you're being realistic, um, you just don't want to expect too much of him moving forward. Uh, He's going to obviously get a very long leash to steady himself in this rotation. Um, The main, even during his rookie year, one of the key questions is whether he can work deep into games whether he's efficient enough with his pitches and missing enough bats in this one from an efficiency standpoint, you know, not too great using four, on average, four pitches for every plate appearance. You're just not going to go very deep into a game if that's the case. Um, yeah. Just a really, really shaky outing from him. And even so it was one that you would have expected a little bit more from this offense, given what they had going early. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty sour note to end it off on.
3: Yeah. This is one of the games coming into this series. If you guys watched the, the show on uh, on Thursday, we all made our series predictions. I said split. This is one of the games I kind of chalked up to be a loss. I figured that they would struggle to make contact against Senga. I didn't know what extent that was. I thought it was going to be extremely wrong in the first inning based on how that went. I was, I, I wanted to be pleasantly surprised by being wrong, but it kind of turned out to be just like that. Uh, I think the parts I'm really most frustrated about are, are or is Saturday uh, that that just felt like such a winnable game. You kind of felt that, you know, they, they weren't going to get the run, the support for Sandy. I felt like today was going to be a loss going into this. But I said, okay, Friday, Saturday, those really be like winnable games, especially after Verlander got put on the injured list. That felt attainable, but it, it, they just they fumbled the the bag just the way it went on Saturday. It's frustrating in many regards there, but do you think this could be a sign of things to come or is this just, they played the Mets and they just have to get into the swing of things?
2: The strikeouts, I don't think are anything more than kind of a freak occurrence. I think there's going to definitely be more balls in play overall moving forward, given who they'll be facing. Um, in the near future and in, in most of their matchups, there's going to be fewer strikeouts. Like that's the one thing I can believe in pretty strongly. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I zoned out. I don't think we touched on Jazz's defense. And there's a couple different situations where like, eh. um, you kind of like, Um, you just remind yourself that that's a, that's a weakness that they just neglected to solve this offseason, and that's going to continue to follow them around. Um, the, the clearest example being today's game on that line drive to center field, um, which when you look at like the details behind it, it wasn't a super easy play, but um, it was one that somebody with his athleticism probably should have been able to catch up to um, that. That's something that is, I think, unfortunately going to travel like, continue going around with them. And, and as long as they're playing a lot of Jorge Soler in left field, um, and it's just not going to be a good defensive outfield on top of the questions that we already have about the infield, um, coming into this year and guys playing out of position. So the defense didn't kill them in the series that much, but I think it was probably, um if not for Garrett Cooper, that one Garrett Cooper game that did a lot to like raise your excitement level about the defense. And then today there was the Jesus Sanchez catch in left field. That was legitimately fantastic. That was one of the better catches I've ever seen from Jesus Sanchez. Um, So, it wasn't like super prevalent in this series, um, but I, I think the Mets certainly did more to save runs with their gloves than the Marlins did, and in most of their matchups moving forward, I think that's going to be the case as well. They'll have to like outperform their opponents in a lot of other different ways to compensate for the defensive liabilities and the miscommunications they have.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but... It doesn't get any easier. You've got the Twins for three games coming into town, and I personally am high on the Twins this year. I love what they did this offseason. Of course, losing a rise sucks for them, but I, I like the way that they restructured their roster. I think they'll win the AL Central, so no easy games early on. Then have to play the Mets again this weekend um, in, a, in a three-game series for their opening series in Citi Field, so it's got to be rowdy for that one. Um, they have the Phillies after that, I think, I
2: believe. Yeah, off the top and of my head, the and Phillies team. and then the Diamondbacks soon after that. But I mean, we're doing these once a week, yeah. so we don't have to look too far ahead.
3: But yeah, right, right. It's just, I just wanted to think about how it, it, it's just not going to get any easier this month. And The second half of the schedule, just like last year, is extremely tough. But um, it, now that you have to play everyone, you have to take the opportunities while you can. And um, They were going to play the Twins anyways, even if the MLB didn't go for this new schedule format this year, but it, it gets AL teams where you have these quote unquote new games. Uh, it feels like one that you should get. And we'll, we'll touch on that more on the stream tomorrow. I won't be on, but uh, it, it feels like a series where if you get two out of three, you, you, you're in the right spot, but if they only win one out of two in this series depends on how it happens. Record wise. I, I feel like you're not really in a good spot and there's going to be some tough pitching matchups. I think, I know it's Mali tomorrow. I don't know who Tuesday is, but Pablo Lopez is Wednesday. Is Sunny Gray Tuesday? No, no, Sunny Gray pitched this week. I don't know who they. Oh, it's Kentamaeda. You put out a tweet. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Kentamaeda on. on Tuesday. Still, that, that's a pretty solid pitching lineup for the Twins. I, I like what the Twins did this off season and within the past during sixty-five days to put that together. But this will be another tough series, right?
2: I would think so. Yeah, the Twins are a pretty decent team. Um, I think relative to the rest of their division, they're a pretty hot pick to win the AL Central this year. Just a very well-rounded team. Um, and I think their bullpen is just as much of a strength as their uh, rotation depth. It's it's just a pretty solid all round team. They eventually, when the whole saga, like the dust settled, they did bring Carlos Correa back. So him being in the middle of everything is obviously very valuable them, they certainly are going to miss a rise for everything that Luis arises. Even the Marlins, Um, he is not totally replaceable um, from the Twins' perspective. They're they're playing Nick Gordon uh, pretty frequently, and they're they're trying to teach Joey Gallo how to be a first baseman. That that was one of their more, that's, that's one of their X factors this season, is Joey Gallo and how close he comes to being the best version of himself versus the one that last year looked like a player that was fading out of the league altogether. So they have um, a lot of boom and bust in them, with Byron Buxton being even the most obvious example because when he's on the field, he's amazing. And for now, Buxton has been healthy starting the year. So we'll see him. And I imagine he's going to have as big an impact on this series as any individual hitter that they have. The headliner is Pablo's return. Um, He pitched pretty well in this ballpark with Venezuela and the WBC so it's not his first return to Miami, but certainly this will feel different actually going against so many of his former teammates. So it's hard to emphasize enough how uh, interesting that's going to be. It's it's going to be fun talking to him tomorrow, as I'm sure who we've covering the game, are going to get to speak to him about his mix of emotions coming back here. That That's probably the little storyline besides the X's and O's of the series themselves. That's Pablo's return is going to be, very intriguing, considering how well-liked he was by basically everybody in the Marlins organization.
3: I feel like tomorrow is going to be the, the one day where you, you see all the, the Marlins clubhouse practically empty and everyone's just in line. To, they go get to the away clubhouse. So it's going to be a sight to see. Uh, wish him luck in his return back. Uh, Wednesday could be a really good pitching matchup. And it, it sucks a daytime game if you're working or have school. It, it, you're not going to be able to watch. But um, Pablo versus Lazardo two Venezuelan pitchers in that ballpark, uh, familiar faces all around. It's going to be a fun one. of course, Louisa Rye is going up against some of his former teammates too. Uh, can't rule that out as well. So it'll be a fun series to watch for sure. Um, I won't touch too much on the Mets series. We'll, we'll get to the fan part here uh, just because we just saw the Mets for four games in a row. It'll be another three. After this, I don't think the Marlins see the Mets again until September. So if you're tired of the Mets early on, they get a good break from it with the way the new schedule format is. Went down from 19 division, 19 games per division to 13. So um, not nearly as much Mets, Braves, Nationals, Phillies this year. So we'll, we'll get to the fan part here. I uh, saw a lot of you guys requested. Uh, thank you for, for being patient. But first, I want you to consider – becoming a super follower, super subscriber, whatever we're calling it nowadays, please consider, uh, it, it is the best deal out there on Twitter it is $3 a month. It's as cheap as you can go. And there are so many different perks. You get lifetime access to the the gift database. You get, um, you, you can be in fantasy leagues with us, compete against others, uh, that are super followers, super subscribers, and, uh, when really cool prizes, the, the prize for our fantasy baseball league for, uh, Super followers this year is Marlins tickets, uh, field level, not not just any tickets, field level tickets um, for either 2024 season or a potential 2023 postseason game. You can make your jokes about that if you want. It, it, it is still possible. There's 158 games left. But uh, what, what else we got? That's a perk. Uh, predictions. That's another way to win prizes. Every single uh, series, you get to make a prediction for the series. We'll send them to Eli, and uh, you can compete with us. Uh we have that pin at the top. A lot of super followers in there that, that made their picks. Uh, some of our very own that are in here right now. i uh, want some points, Parker. I don't know if he's in here right now, but he's tied for the lead. He got Mets one three one. And uh, there, there's endless, endless perks. <laughs> I don't.
2: I don't really know really if it's really endless. Good. It's a lot. It's a very generous amount for for what you're doing yeah, to support generous amount. Yeah, daily the game notes I forget prior to every single, single every game. Single We're calling it super subscribers, but uh, during entering every single game, updated game notes about a variety of things, um, with the Marlins and the way that they've the relevant stats that you want and the personal information about the players that gets you to know them even better. Uh, So, a shout out to um, somebody named John who became a super subscriber for us today. I know he has like split allegiances between the Marlins and the twins, and even he. Uh, is pitching in to support us so we appreciate tough, that
3: tough series for him coming up hey, I, I would be conflicted yeah uh, real quick before we actually get to the fans this time Mr. Isaacson here uh, you're at the ballpark for uh
4: let just opening day I know you, you went as a fan for a couple games yeah I was there opening day I did the pre-game coverage which by the way was incredible it's the amount of media that was there for this special day every year. It was awesome. And then I was there as a fan on Friday night, which was the game, honestly, my favorite game since this re- since this build started. It was one of the best baseball games I've attended. Luzardo pitched well. It was a pitcher's duel the whole way. Luzar- um, JT Chagua bailed him out, and Jazz made an actual nice play in center field to rob not really Rob Alonso, but he did a good job out there. And, yeah, it was, it was a very nice series. I think there's a lot of positives to take out of it, even though they lost three out of four. I think it was fine. They did right. compete in a majority of the games, but there are mm-hmm. some obviously very ugly situations out here that they're going to have to address, particularly yeah. the hitter, the hitting with runners in scoring position. they It's like a theme every year, but uh, you got to be happy that they're at least hitting some home runs. They hit 11 all of spring training, and I think they've hit already five, so that's a good thing, but they're going to have to uh, – produce when men are in scoring position that first inning as soon as they didn't score more than one in the first, I knew it was game over. So they're going to have to work on that a little bit of an easier test in Minnesota, but not a, not a give me series at all. So they're going to have to really pull their shit together. They want to win two out of three there. Yeah.
3: No, you you hit a lot of the points that we hit home. What you mentioned one thing that I completely forgot to mention, uh, that that's a ball right there. He he was pretty good. I I was impressed. We mentioned obviously being a bright spot in the bullpen and uh, Brazavon. Uh, yeah, well, he was solid at points too. Uh, this is an improved bullpen, I feel like. Uh, outside of the Tanner Scott blunder on
4: um, on opening day, I, I feel like there was a lot of positives to take away. Absolutely, uh, Brazovon, I, I didn't realize how lengthy he can go. You know, he went two innings yeah. on on opening day. It went what I think. It, I think Kelly said it was three. I don't know if it was three exactly was today, but Brazelton. So yeah, 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 right. And if he can give you a couple of you know multiple innings, and you have Braxton in there, and you got Chaguan who can go back-to-back games, that's you know that gives you some length, and that was more length than I thought they would get from guys like him today. So honestly, the bullpen has been a very nice surprise for me. So yeah, I can we can have
3: one year of the bullpen not being a problem for the Marlins. I feel like that that would definitely be good, but. Like you said, I mean, there there was a lot of good to take away, and it was against the Mets. But you're at the point in this this rebuild now where results matter most. So uh, two out of three is definitely the goal. Imagine a sweep that that would get the people going. But anyways, we'll, we'll get to the fans now. Oh, one, one perk that I it's this, this the reason why we bring it up. Uh, if you're a super follower, you get first uh, dibs to uh, come talk in the spaces. You get priority. So we'll bring in uh, super subscriber Romeo in here now. Um, this is for questions, and you, you don't have to be a super subscriber to, uh, to speak in these spaces. You just get priorities. So if you have any questions for us or any notes that we should know that we don't, um, feel free to request, and uh, we'll, we'll take pretty much anyone. Uh,
0: so, Romeo, what's, what's the question this week? Um, uh... Question? Uh... I know you got something. Uh, Nothing. Th- it's more like I came, up- it really. it's no, just, I came to grill you. No, I came up. So ask away. Um, it was more like I wasn't really able to watch the games because I got stuck okay. ticket taking. So, um, when it came to the hitting, the bottom, the bottom three, like looking at the stats, it just didn't look anything. Like the box scores and stuff, they really didn't look amazing. Is it does it as bad as the box score said or were they giving at least long counts? Uh,
3: I mean it depends on the day. Skip. Played a lot of different guys. I think every single position player got to play at some point this weekend, which is good. Um, he's just trying to figure out what works. And I, I've been saying all offseason it could be a slow start for that reason. I, I kind of foresaw this coming, uh, but I'd say the one player that's been batting in the bottom of the order that I'm really concerned about is Joey Wendell. I uh, put out a tweet earlier about just how bad his numbers have been to start of the season, and uh, he's been fine defensively, but at the plate. Uh, He's batting like he's ninth in the order. So uh, I think there's not really a lot of players I'm, like, really concerned early on about because it's early. First impressions, they they matter, but they don't at the same time. I mean, Jacob Stallings had a home run first game last year, and then he had one of the worst first halves of the season you could (laughs) imagine. So, uh, but, yeah, Joey Wendell's a player I am concerned about. But the the bottom of the order – I feel like it's it's one of the deepest orders the Marlins have had in a while, but it just depends on the situation too as well.
4: And I was with you on Joey Wendell, but I, his at bats were much better today. He was barreling up the ball at least a little bit, and I, I in the long run, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I don't know if Eli's bold prediction about extending him should come to fruition, but uh, I, I think I think he'll be okay. He's not going to be great. I, I think that you know sooner you know sooner rather than later they should start. Great Maybe even try jazz out there, but yeah, Wendell. I think he had he was much better today than he was his previous at bats during the season. But I, I was you know pleasantly surprised that he was at least decent at the plate today.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, do I
4: have any thoughts, or do you have another point to make, me? Yeah. Oh no. no, sorry, my last. My last thing was that I don't, I think Wendell, they're doing the team a disservice by hitting him ninth. Obviously, Arise is your number one hitter. I would maybe have um, Wendell eighth or seventh just because you don't want to have the two lefties back to back. It's just creating a problem for you and just Mm -hmm. giving the other team an opportunity to put in a lefty. I would have, I would definitely separate the two lefty bats. So that's my opinion on that. I I know Skip wants to do that like secondary leadoff
3: guy, but you bring up a good point that um, late in games that sets up. Um, the opposing team to take advantage coming out of the bullpen. And with birdie, so, um, it's
4: perfect. And with birdie, it's right. perfect. Like you have birdie hit it ninth. When that's birdie the list. batting this weekend, right? But with Wendell, and I know he's not like a crazy, crazy platoon guy, but he is a little bit. He does struggle against lefties. So I would have him hit eighth, Stallings to nine. You could even pitch at Fortes there, you know, late in the game, and there you go. So, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, no, I think that last concern is kind of overstated because you're talking about facing back to back lefties. That's a factor. Obviously, when the opponent goes to the bullpen, makes changes later in those games, and I think they're going to just pinch hit for Wendell against most lefties anyway. So I think that point is, once they get to that point where it really matters, that they're probably going to go either with Birdie or whichever one of the righty-hitting outfielders isn't in the game to start the game, maybe them coming off the bench. Or, um, or, I mean, they have a bunch of right-handed, actually, pinch-hitting options. It could be Gurriel on a particular day, or Fortes if they're not in it as well. So that, that it's not a big deal to me hitting ninth is always, it's a really undesirable place, no matter who you are. I mean, we, we talked for, I, I, I get flashbacks to the Lewis Brinson conversation when he was terrible. So they dropped him to ninth in the lineup. And then there was all this complaining about, Oh, you know what? I should rephrase that. It was batting eighth. That was back when they had the, the pitchers hitting. So that's when it was even worse. So, I mean, compared to that, it's not even as big a deal as it used to be to be batting at the very bottom, just because you don't have an automatic out actually behind you in any sense of that it's it's not a big deal I, I preach some patience on Wendell just because he has a pretty big track record at the early portion of just last year he was good until he got hurt that first time and then he was never quite the same later in the year when he's healthy I think he's going to be pretty solid offensively and he's healthy for now It'll give him a little bit longer of a leash before the overreactions on that
4: Right, but yeah, I know they can pinch hit, but I think the point is that they've made that clear that they prefer Wendell at shortstop late in the games. So they even, you know, did a defensive switch for him in the ninth inning on Friday night's win. So if you want him to play the whole game and you trust him defensively late in the game, then it would behoove you to have him hit A so you don't have to pinch hit for him, you know, when Birdie. Because I don't even think they would if it's an eighth inning situation, it's a close game. I don't even think they'd put Birdie in because I don't think Birdie has great stats against lefties anyway. So I think to have him play the whole game without having a lefty behind him would. Would help at least a little bit but i get what you mean so it's, it's a it's an interesting one
0: yeah
3: yeah, for sure any other questions romeo i actually got am, a decent
0: amount of requests today i'll we'll start violence people in here yeah am i bad luck the days that i've worked they're oh yeah. and three the one day i don't work they won't
3: i think being the miami marlins might be uh might be the bad luck actually florida marlins are
0: one out of this here to uh, my knowledge like that's huh. kind of funny Tom told me to to quit on on Twitter today, (laughs) so they can start winning. Um, Yeah, being a subscriber is actually really cool, guys. Before I got to go, you get to go watch Sandy's beach on Tuesday, and that's what I'm going to do. I found they approved my time off, so I have to talk. There you go. So you get to go do that on a on a Tuesday, right? Good
3: time, yeah, yeah. Lots of different giveaways and stuff. Always got to keep your eyes peeled. It's only three dollars a month.
0: We made it the cheapest yeah, we could possibly go. So, and you have you can participate in game shows too. It is, it is like I I, I had negative thirty seven hundred, but it's all right. I don't think I have anything else. I really don't even watch any of the games.
3: Uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Hey, you won't be working on road games. You work at the ballpark, so you get it. You can at least watch all 81 road games this year, yeah.
1: First uh,
3: Thursday. All right, appreciate you, Romeo. We'll, uh, well, we'll get some more people in here. Let's see if I can remove without kicking them. Okay, cool. There we go. I usually, when I remove people, I accidentally kick them out. We'll bring in Devin. Devin's always got a hot thing for us, he's also a super follower, super subscriber. Devin's also you, Devin. uh, the reason why... We have the two reasons why J.J. Bleday got traded in here right now. Isaac held his jersey that day at FanFest, and Devin asked what uh, a reliever trade package could look like. Then, a minute and a half later, Mr. J.J. Bleday was an Oakland Athletic. Devin, what, what do you got for us this week? Who, who's getting traded right now?
0: Nothing really trade-related, but I was a little surprised with the series...
4: Marlins didn't steal any bases. I know they tried a little, but um, with so many guys having that double play kind of risk, I'm surprised they didn't put the uh, runners in motion more this series. wonder if that's going to be – That's a good point. That keeps
3: happening. That's something that I picked up on early. I think I saw a couple tweets about it, but um, now you bring it up. Did they steal a single base this week? Not one. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how, how that works. Or maybe we, we could have someone ask why uh, that, that wasn't something. You bring up a good point with the with the double play risk, and uh, there there was a handful of double plays this weekend. Something so to the, the definitely watch. Yeah.
4: You guys have any thoughts on no, that? He he grinded to a double play. Hey, when you have someone like a rise, you got to put a runner in motion with him because he could grind into a double play. But you know he's going to put the ball in play. You know he's not going to swing and miss. So he's he's someone that you know if you have a runner on with him, he's just like an easy guy to sort of send in motion when he's at the plate. In my opinion, it's an easy one. Yeah,
3: agreed. And for as much as he got on, I'm surprised that they, they didn't send them once. I don't know what a speed is like, but um, no, I'm, I, I'm not just not surprised they didn't don't, even attempt it. No, yeah, you don't want to send a rise.
4: You don't send a rise. You want to send someone
3: fast. with him at the plate. Okay. No, no, gotcha. no, no. Gotcha. I, I was not aware of his, uh, his, his sprint speed. 40-grade well, I mean, speed, maybe? 40-grade? Oh, boy. Not, not ideal. Would you agree? Right, Eli? 40, 45, 50? I don't know. 40? I'd give it 40. That's a Lewis question. I don't know where he is. Even though Lewis. No, no he's not known for his. Noah and Hector about both listening. If either one of you guys know uh, Texas, if someone wants to know, I mean, I have my computer right in front of me. I could
4: just Google it. Hold on. But yes, um, Devin, I do agree with you. They need to be. This team is particular. They have to uh, be putting putting runners on and running when they're on when they are on. Totally agree. That's yeah, a little weird you know it's kind of going against what they were talking about earlier you know they're gonna be a small but, ball team. right right so the thing you think about is that the only guys that really you know could run realistically are Birdie and Wendell and they don't start on the same day usually and then you got maybe hey Su Sanchez could steal a bag Brian De la Cruz could steal a bag but obviously I Garcia could steal a bag but that's about it you know they're not gonna send Cooper or um, like a Stallings, yeah. No, you're completely right on that aspect of okay. it. But I was
3: just Stallings. they get a double and Cooper did get a triple this weekend. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, did they reverse that Cooper triple? I thought they would have. Well, while we try to figure out Arise' sprint um, speed, okay, I just did a good confirmation that it stayed as triple. Uh, any other questions, Devin? While we've got you here, I know you've got another thought-provoking question, like that one. Well, any, anything about roster construction that you've been wondering about, anything like that? No, I share Isaac's concern on uh, on Wendell. Uh, uh-huh. I've got the same concern too. Yeah. It's pretty bad. But he, he's right. It was, it was a better day. That ball, uh forgot what inning that was. This was his last at bat, the one that went the right field. Probably should have gotten down. Arte played that perfectly. But yeah, a, l- a
4: little concerning. Yeah, think, you know, this- I think Craig was saying something about two months, you know, for Avi. I wonder how many other guys are on that similar type of rope, so to speak.
3: Yeah, Wendell's definitely a trade candidate. You're not going to be able to trade up Sayo Garcia. It's just not going to happen unless you attach a prospect. We've been saying that since last year. It'll probably hold true again this year. But Wendell's definitely a trade candidate. A lot of people were surprised that um, they didn't um, trade him this offseason. But I think they wanted to see if he could increase his value at all uh, over these next few months. Because he he is one of the very few players on a contract year. And uh, I I don't think he's going to be a Miami Marlins in August. I just don't. I feel like he's a prime training candidate because uh, him and Birdie are blocking a lot of guys in AAA that, that can potentially play as spot. you got Xavier Edwards. You've got Jacob Amaya. Uh, Isaac and are big fans of him. Um, and Jordan Groschens could even maybe play shortstop if you, if you really need him to. There, there's a lot of options um, on the farm right now. And um, it, it would be, it'd be pretty hectic or chaotic, whatever the word you want it is. It would be detrimental. To, uh, to have Joey Wendell play shortstop in that platoon the
4: entire season if he continues to play like this. I expected a lot more from him. I thought the hamstring injury really was, like, the main concern, and I expected a lot more just out of the gate and spring training Still so early, but, you know, we'll
3: see. Yeah, I mean, I I can't make too many season-long conclusions after just four games because I don't know what the actual percentage is of – that, the amount of games we just, that, that just happened, of what that is to so the total grand scheme of things. But I'd say the one thing that holds true that I am going to say, that I am going to react about, because you, you have the opening day, opening series of reactions. One thing that I am pretty certain about, though, is it, it might be time to start looking for options to get, I would say, Garcia out of the everyday lineup. But I, it, it's same stuff already. I'm rooting for him. He, he did a lot of work to, to lose weight and stuff, but
0: it, it's not looking good. Let's see here.
3: All right. Any, any other questions? We'll, we'll bring in some more people in here. Uh, oh, Isaac's just listening. All right. A- any other uh, final things to say, Devin. You you want to pitch for us like Romeo did? Well, what's it like being a super subscriber? Best thing you can do. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we appreciate it. We'll get some more people coming in here. Uh, and you enjoy your week, and, uh, and go Marlins. All right. We got we got Ryan. We'll bring him in. Uh, we'll, we'll get a question from from Ryan here. Uh, load him in. All right,
1: Ryan, how, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, what's up? I just got back. Well, I just, not just got back, but I was at the game earlier. My first game of the uh, season in attendance. Cool,
3: cool. Uh, what did you think? Any any observations? Anything? uh you, you got the the ask from it.
1: Well, uh, probably from a – not from the stadium experience, but just from the game, from what the Marlins put on, on the field. Probably one of the worst performances that I've seen from the Marlins in attendance uh, for me because it just felt like it's so dead. I mean, nothing really happened after the first inning. You thought they had a legitimate shot after they got – I think it was Solaire, played it uh, Luisa Rice with the double, and then they run me. Two to one, and then the base loaded, and after that, it was just like nothing happened. So, uh, definitely one of the most frustrating games, but the attendance was great. I mean, a ton of Mets fans there today, and it's probably been like that all series long. And uh, it'll definitely get pretty low this week, though, against the Twins, unless you get some Minnesota people traveling in, but it's definitely going to go way down.
3: Oh, I, I agree 100%. And, and uh, the main draw for that one being Pablo, it's a, it's a weekday game, so uh not ideal. Um attendance could get pretty bad real quick. I, I absolutely agree. But yeah, th- today didn't really go that well after the, the first inning. It, it, was a, it was a tough watch after that, um, besides Trevor starting to get it together. I kept the game on, but yeah, it, it was a frustrating game today, for sure. Um, any questions you, you might have for us here on the panel?
1: Yeah. So, uh, my question is, what are your thoughts on, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier in the show. I joined, I've been here for most of it, but, uh, what are your thoughts on AJ puck long-term as a closer? Cause I haven't heard, really heard you guys talk about him.
3: Oh, uh, uh, we, we've, uh, we've discussed it. I, I think you, you got to see what he, he can produce. It's he's only had one appearance so far. So it's, it's tough to, uh, to make an assessment off just one game, but, uh, I think that if I had to pick one guy right now to be the Marlins' closer for the next five years, it would it would probably be A.J. Puck. It's on the roster, of course, but um, I like what he's got. I think all of us like what, what he's shown, and uh, I don't want to put him on that pedestal right now uh, just because, again, it's, it's really early in the season, but good game on Friday. Uh, would love to see him in, a, in another situation like that against the Twins, and uh, I, I think Skip's also going to – this year not really be so committed to a, a guys and roles like uh, Mattingly was. And if you see puck in like the seventh inning and in, uh, a game, that's not really that close. So I, I wouldn't be too alarmed about that. You, it's all about getting reps early on. I think, I don't know what percentage of the 26 guys in the roster played this weekend, but it was pretty high. It, fe- it felt like I saw almost everyone. So to answer your question, I, I feel like, he could be the guy that's the guy I want it to be, but it's, it's also really early and I'm not going to go say, Oh, this guy's the next Mariano
1: Rivera or anything like that. Yeah. Got you. And, uh, my other question is, uh, if you had to choose like one infielder right now from, uh, say there was an injury to a middle infielder, uh, who would you call up from A right now? Just based off – right, right
3: now? Uh, yeah, like
1: if you had to call up if someone. If I had to call someone up
3: right in a second, um, I think Xavier Edwards is probably going to be the most game ready. But, I mean, you, you could also go LeBlanc. Um, but I'm thinking shortstop mostly as, as well as thinking. But if you're talking about in terms of just someone who could play any position – I, I would go LeBlanc probably, but, um, you got a lot of good options, favorite Edwards, but, uh, my, my favorite infield prospect right now is Jacob Amaya. So, uh, would love to see him at, at some point, whether that be short or, uh, I don't know how good he is at third. And Isaac probably knows more because Isaac's the, the Jacob Amaya truther, but he, he's going to be good. I really hope, uh, the Marlins bring him up at some point this year. And then of course, Jordan Groschen's had, uh, Heck of a debut um, in September last year. So, uh, we'd be excited to see him as well. Uh, So, that's kind of why I'm thinking that the Marlins will trade Wendell uh, and maybe even go out of a a different direction with Birdie because you got so many exciting young options um, down the farm that you got to give them a chance at some point if uh, you're not competitive this year. Oh,
1: wow. Yes, I saw the shrimp. Uh, scored twelve runs today. Also, just uh, speaking, yeah, triple A uh, bats. Peyton Peyton Burdick, he, he had a good game, I think. Yeah, yeah, I,
4: I think with the outfield is a little bit more of a relevant thing to say. There's some exciting guys down there, but I think when it comes to Birdie and the minor league options you have in the infield, you know, you you hope that one of them becomes like John Birdie, right? When do I feel you? But you know, Jacob Amaya. From what I understand with him, they're tinkering with his swing a little bit. I think he got home run happy last year in his best season in the minors. And I think they do want to give him some time in Triple I would give it till June 1st, get called up. And yeah, Edward, you're right. Grant Edwards would be the one that would be most major league game ready. Groshans, I don't think he has any business ever playing shortstop at the big league level. I don't think you'll ever see that. But it, you know, I, I think they have got to give Birdie as much playing time as possible. He is he's good. I am a big John Birdie fan, and you're praying. I don't think this me speaking. I don't think any of the guys in the minors will be as good as John Birdie in the big leagues. That was a fantastic find, by I believe it was Mike Hill at the time. So you know you gotta be careful when we start talking ill about John Birdie. Cause he's a G,
3: good player. Everyone was all up in arms back when uh, the Benintendi rumors were out in 2021. Oh and, and everyone was like, you really didn't trade John Birdie for Andrew Benintendi?
4: Thank God they didn't make that. Choice. Well, he's hitting third for the White Sox now. He got a big deal. The White Sox like him.
3: Uh, the, the White Sox have made some questionable decisions. They sure have. I, I like Andrew Benintendi. He, he's from my part of town in Cincinnati. He, he's a good guy, but uh he, he is quickly fading as a baseball player in my opinion but yep. root for him but i'd also rather have john birdie given the marlon situation 100 percent anything else you got for us brian well uh, that's
1: yeah that's all i have for today but uh thanks for having me on and if you're not already go subscribe to fish stripes uh super yeah. uh co- go become a super follower and uh Go check out my YouTube channel and podcast if you want SoFlo Sports. You can check it out. It's in uh, my bio. I have the link to it.
3: Appreciate it. Cool. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Go Marlins. All right. We'll go. We have one more request here. If anyone else wants to hop in and uh, ask any questions, feel free. Uh, We probably are getting to the end here. But if you have any questions, uh, feel free to to ask away. So uh, we've got Cole coming in here. We've had some good questions so far. I'm glad everyone's dialed in and that uh, I'm ready for this season again. Uh, Cole, how are we doing tonight?
5: I'm doing fine. Uh, coming to you from uh, California.
3: Nice, nice. Uh, I, I would kill for some warm weather right now like that. But uh, any, anyways, what, what do you got for us?
5: So I've been wondering, is this really the optimal infield uh, position lineup? Because just going yeah. through it, it's if, a if you're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like, for, for me, on the very minimum, I feel like maybe Wendell and Segura should be swapped.
3: Uh, I, I don't know if I would want Segura playing short, but I, I think Wendell's definitely better at third and
5: short. I would agree there. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I mean, look, I, I don't think Jazz should be in, in center field. I'd rather he be at second than a rise at first and Coop maybe just being the D8. Uh-huh. Uh, or maybe just him and, like a rise with, you know. Switch back and forth between the two positions. But I so guess I'm going to all-
3: ask you this. What, what would be, in your mind, the perfect position lineup for the Marlins, offensively, and in a perfect world with, with what's on the roster right now? You, you've already got it started. You would put a rise at first.
5: Yeah, Jazz. I, I definitely put a rise at first. I put Jazz at second. And Cooper is a and, DH. Yeah, Cooper is so, DH. We're just switching sure back and forth then. with a rise at first yeah uh, so I mean eyes every day of course yeah you got you to find him some playing time no yes I think he needs to be in the batting order every single day that he's helped him. yeah at the very minimum well
3: what, what would you do with short then?
5: would you would you bring up Jose Iglesias, maybe would you play birdie there every day well there was kind of a part two to this and that's I kind of feel like Wendell just might be the odd man out where it might be best to like Get him off the team for like a middling prospect, or use him to pack or package him and something else to get uh, Avi off the team, and like call up a LeBlanc or call up an Iglesias just to kind of fill that that hole. I just I just don't think he's really part of the long term, you know, plans of this team. Yeah, I don't think
3: he'll be on the roster in August. I don't, I don't think he will. That's just me personally, but uh, it's a safe assumption that. He's probably a deadline candidate. So, so what do you go with third? Do you keep cigarette third? How, how do you get?
5: I mean, either or cigarette, or go
3: cigarette at second, and maybe try jazz at short.
5: Uh, I feel like jazz at short already went pretty badly last year, so that's why I want jazz at second more than anything. Okay. I feel like that was like he's athletic, but a he didn't he didn't have the instincts at short or like kind of the I guess really the command for it. In the same way that, like, a, a Mickey Rowe did, or you know, really anyone else, I think LeBlanc at calling up LeBlanc for third and Segura at short, or, or keeping Segura at third and calling up Iglesias would be a better solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess my
3: point with that was it's just they're not really in an ideal position defensively right now. They, they got too many cooks in the kitchen. This is, this is basically where they're at. So many guys just playing out of position. and Really, even in a perfect world, there's still going to be someone who's not been playing at their primary position or what they should be playing right now. So it's tough, and I think one solution to that is eventually getting rid of Joey Wendell, but it would be tough. I don't even know what I would do if I was given full reins to the Marlins lineup, and I was told, hey, figure out who's playing in what position today. It's it's a tough call for sure. And, um, yeah, I don't know what the direction should be from here, because there's a lot of guys early on that you're just looking at. Like, how are they going to play 162 games in that position?
5: Yeah. Also uh, a bit curious. Why do you think the Marlins didn't go after Christian Pace? (laughs) Pache. He's
4: he's not good. They they already are are pretty filled
3: up. But my my simple explanation is he's not a good baseball player.
2: Yeah, he can't hit. And more importantly, he's out of minor league options. So to acquire him would mean putting him directly on the big league roster. He can't even send him down to AAA. I don't see – why would – where does – what is he – how is he going to add more value to the team than anybody who is was currently on the big league roster? I didn't really see it just because of how awful his bat is. And even as a base runner, doesn't do enough to like make up for it on the few occasions that he does. Get on base. That's the type of player that once he reaches free agency, signing him to a minor league deal, that could never hurt. Um, in terms of actually going out and getting him, um, I don't think that's 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 just incredibly desperate. I don't think that would have solved anything just because of how much negativity cancels out his center field defense.
3: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I don't see how he would be an, an upgrade over either one of Jesus Sanchez or Brian Dela Cruz or Peyton Burdick right now. He would have a lot of fun with the
4: Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, but he can't even go because he's out of options. Does that matter, though,
2: that he's out of minor league options now that he already got DFA? Like, Is that even relevant to him anymore? Well, yeah, to be clear, um, if they went out and get him, they'd have to like temporarily put him on the 40-man roster, and then they could immediately DFA him again and just hope that he doesn't get claimed by anybody else. And then at that point, you can just – you can. What's the word I'm looking for? Outright him to the minors once he clears waivers. So you could, yeah, do all that. You could temporarily. You just have to temporarily open up a space on the forty man to acquire him in the first place, and then you could go through that. I, I'm just not very. I'm I'm not even that interested in him. Just uh, we've seen a lot that just suggests that he can't do anything offensively to make him playable. Um, I don't. Is he really that much different than a left-handed hitting Victor Victor Mesa? There's just a lot in common there. Like if they they could just if they valued center field defense that much and didn't care about anything else, then they could bring up Victor Victor. But the problem is there's there's just so many other limitations in the profile that overall that player is just not going to help you win games. And if they
3: really cared about center field and actually having a respectful center fielder, they they could have made a trade or they could have signed someone. But uh, they decided to let their second baseman step up, and because he's a great leader, and decide hey. I want to play center field this year. I'll step up instead of actually going in and spending the money on that. And instead they just kept getting more infielders. So it was a questionable um, plan of attack for the Marlins this offseason. But, yeah, to a- answer your question, it's a, it's a variety of factors between, one, he's not a good baseball player. Two, he's out of minor league
5: options. Three, there just really isn't a fifth. Yeah, I get you I know he was – as of recent, like, 2021 was a, you know, top-tier prospect. So, I just feel feel like maybe there was a better healing, but...
3: Yeah, and look, at the Marlins' hitting development was any better, sure. Like, if he were in a pitcher role, yeah, I'd, I'd say go get him because a lot of people said, hey, maybe the Marlins could do that with Alex Reyes. I'd say Alex Reyes is a good, is a good uh, pitching cop for what uh, Pache is, is a, is, a, is a hitter. And then A.J. Puck was also a top prospect at one point, and... He kind of slid off and the marlins got him and now there's a lot of hope that they can fix him as well so i, I just don't think the, him and the marlins were a good fit at all probably would have hurt his career more than helped it in all honesty i
5: guess my my last else for us? yeah i had one last big question which was what was up with all the walks that we saw this entire series because it, it felt very uncommon Uncharacteristic of even like a Sandy, it's
3: a good question. It's a good question. Um, command was off for a lot of guys. I think Lazardo and a few of the bullpen guys were the only guys that like, really had their command working. Um, Trevor was obviously rattled in that first inning, but he got it together after Ever Cabrera and Sandy were both struggling with command pretty much their entire starts. Edward more than anyone that that was concerning to see, but. Yeah, just a variety of factors. I thought both catchers called good games this weekend. Um, I think in terms of game manager game management, the, the Marlins have two pretty good catchers at that. Of course, Songs has other flaws. Nick Fortes has some areas he can improve on, but he's still young. And Stalings has had a lot of praise for him. If you watched any of the broadcasts this weekend, uh, Kelly Sacco had the, the report on that, that Songs is really proud of how far Nick Fortes has come. He's really impressive how good of a learner he is at such a young age and how he acts like a veteran catcher. He's in like his mid-20s. So uh, I feel like the Marlins are in good hands there, but they answer to your question, truthfully, it's just stop. Uh, oh, command issues, but it's early on. You can't look at it too much. And so, Con- Sandy Alcott. Yep. That's another good point. Guys are trying to get adjusted. Uh, maybe you're rushing it too much, uh, but you got 158 games left they can settle in um you got three more games in Lone Depot um a lot of time to figure it out and early in the season you can't look too much at it because then again this is going to be like the the talking point forever when someone has a bad um first start this the season like sandy had a horrific start against the Giants last year opening day and he was the unanimous NL Cy young so um, it, it, I, I wouldn't look into it too much. I, I think maybe Ever Cabrera, if, if he has another start like that, I would begin to get a little concerned. But um, just early on adjustments,
5: things like that, not not crazy. Well, I was wondering if like Cabrera was hurt by having Fortes catch for him, and just in terms of framing and nerves, and just uh, no.
3: And, uh, no. I'll let Isaac take this one.
5: No, not even no.
4: Not, not at all. Cortez, if anything, did him some favors there, um, getting him some strike calls because he uh, he could have walked seven.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't, in this whole series, I didn't see very many, like, borderline pitches not go their way. Like, this was, all the walks that they gave out, almost all of them were kind of well-deserved. It was legitimately poorly located pitches throughout almost all the pitching staff. It wasn't really, the ump didn't have much to play this. I'd say one thing that may have factored in is just the opponent. Like, the, this Mets team is a pretty disciplined team. Where if you throw these same pitches to a different opponent, then you get probably a lot more chases out of the zone on those same pitches. This is a very experienced team. I bring back almost all their guys from last year that were above average in walks. Also, the fact that hit-by pitches were are like the specialty of this Mets team. That is, they're the league leaders in hit-by pitches last year, and I'm sure they will be this year. Those are just the players that they have. So when you miss really badly with just one pitch, then that's just as bad as an outright walk in this case. So there were, I think today there were three hit by pitches and there were several others in the previous games as well. So the, the opponent had a little bit to do with that as well. It's certainly something to watch moving forward when they face um, yeah these other teams. If you see the same thing the second time through the rotation with all these guys, then maybe it's something we look into more carefully.
3: Agreed. I will second that. Any other Thoughts will probably be our last speaker, unless someone requests last second. We'll take questions for Braddy. No, I
4: don't got any, any other
3: questions. Nah, I appreciate it. Some good questions. Uh, you got yourself a good week and, and uh, go borrowed. Yeah, go on. All right. All right. Any last request for anyone? Get them in right now. Last call is here. Um, we'll have another one of these at 7 o'clock next week. Um, hopefully, to we'll talk about some series of wins this time around. Um, We've got. Some series preview shows throughout the week. Got one at uh, 5.30 tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to do for the Mets one yet, without being a weird time. Of course, lots of podcasts coming out throughout the week. Uh, just content machines here at, at Strikes. Make sure to look for the the recaps. Got all these guys scrunched on site. They've been working hard. Uh, appreciate what, what all these guys have been doing for us. And uh, If no one else has anything, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up and, um, and go Marlins.
4: You can give your prediction for tomorrow night's national championship game if you'd like. Okay, I'll get my
3: prediction. Uh, UConn, 74. San Diego State, 54. I don't think it's... Jesus. Jesus. Uh, we, it? Oh, we, got, we have a request. We have a request. Hold on. Oh, no. This, this, is, this, is, a, this is not a troll. I, I've been pretty conscientious of that, but I look at the bio, saw Miami in there.
0: If we, we have a question. We'll, we'll take one more. Be our last one. How are we doing? You are on the floor, sir. Three or five. Don't I hope I
3: said that right.
4: He's a dummy. Claudia, you don't have a question,
3: bro? What's up with that? Rashana. Well, Tanner's in here, too. What's up, Tanner?
4: He nailed the, the R. I. prediction. He, he was balling this weekend. I don't know how many units Tanner is up this week, this weekend. It's probably too many. I, I
3: know he had himself a good opening week in Final Four, I'm sure. I wouldn't expect any different. How, how are we
0: doing? Hey, guys, I have a real quick question for your thoughts on on, on the um, the lack of runs and all the men on all the uh, left on base that we've seen in these first four games. Uh, would it make any sense – to uh, maybe flip the, the lineup up a little bit, maybe have Jazz 1, Segura 2, and Arreyes 3 with all the contact he's making. Maybe we can get some of these runs across. Just your thoughts on that would be great.
3: Yeah, I think I think, uh, I think uh, Skip's going to, uh, to, to rotate a lot of different lines. We're going to see a lot of different looks early on. He's just going to try and see. what fits. I've been saying it all a since I, I said it again earlier. In the space that I think it could be a slow start for the Marlins because it's going to be early on just trying to figure out what works, but it could be a fun summer. I, I trust Skip Schumacher to, to
4: find something that, that works in terms of lineups and rotations and all that. Uh, I, I think some of the things that, that do work and that will stay the same is that is Luis arrives at one and Jazz Chisholm either two, three, four, or five. I think they want him in a run producing spot. I don't think they want to try him leading off anymore. The do the area that I can see them improving on when it comes to lineup construction is them having you know guys like Avi and Soler back to back. I just don't understand that whatsoever. You have guys that are prone to the strikeout, and you would want to have someone like either when it comes to Guriel or Birdie or even Wendell in between them to sort of offset the amount of strikeouts you'll get. I know on opening day I believe they had uh, Soler and Avi back to back. I think he sort of learned his lesson there, but I think that's where you can see an improvement when it comes to constructing this lineup, because you do have a lot of strikeout opportunities here. Even Cooper out at in there, that you just don't want Avi Cooper Soler back to back to back. It's all right-handed hitters that are sort of similar in their own way. You want someone sandwiched in between them, in my opinion, to sort of you know just in case. So you, know, you had Jesus Sanders behind, who was it today? Gurriel, who, you know, that was a good one, but he, you know they all ended up striking out. They couldn't put the ball in play. Birdie would have been you know maybe better to have ahead of. Sanchez in that situation so I would maybe avoid having the big guys in Soleric uh, back to back that would be my main uh, criticism for it
0: yeah
3: I would second that the, it's, it's the same story different year for the, for the runners in the score position stock guys it's, it's frustrating to say the least
0: yeah um how about with uh jazz struggling in center field do you think at some point that may start to affect him at the plate honestly
3: no because jazz that is one of the most confident individuals i've seen not just in sports but in life that 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 guy is always gonna feed off the the positive energy he generates for himself he's always gonna have something to prove against someone else that's just the way he is but um I don't think it's going to get any
0: better in center
3: field. Probably, maybe it does. I don't know, but um, that it, there was some concerns this weekend, especially today, especially last night. He even had one pickup on Friday, arguably one on Thursday. So there's something for every day. It's it's a it's a learning process for sure. But I thought you were going to ask if I foresaw him staying in that spot the entire season. And my I answer to that would have been I don't know. I don't know if he stays there the entire season or not. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. You yeah. know. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate
5: it. Appreciate yeah, the show. Yeah,
3: appreciate it. Some good questions. Thank you very much.
5: You guys have a nice All
3: right. evening. All right. We'll bring Tanner here. I want to know how many units he's up this week. Weekend, I should say. In. There you go. What's up, Tanner? Guys, how crazy is it that nine for sixteen actually happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's a good baseball player. He got lucky on a couple of those, but he, this is the best hitter the Marlins had in a long, long time. He's so he's so much fun to watch. He played he played well on the field too. I felt like he he, he was he was just a great two A. Outside of all the guys playing out of position for the first time this week, I I feel like he played the best. I, I there was there wasn't a lot of problems. Maybe opening day when that one ball got past him. In
4: and Wendell uh, other than that no Ar- Arise has been phenomenal he has looked like wow Arise has been phenomenal phenomenal it's like a base you cannot have a single complaint about that man at all it's going to wow. be his, his defense has been as good as his offense. offense and that's saying something yeah. I, yeah I just wanted to also pop in I, I heard you guys were like I don't know how many units Tanner's up this weekend well yeah, um, no, I mean, nothing because I, I, I bet the fish every wrong, day man. and they lose three out of four <laughs> 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 yeah, freaking I love, down yeah, it happens. It's gonna happen the rest of the weekend. I, 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 just wanted to pop in and say hi. Go fish. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What, what,
3: what's uh, what's your national championship prediction? Oh, do, do we get um, it first or is it action that we're good at first?
4: Um, i I I haven't really decided yet, but I think I'm gonna be on
3: San Diego State plus eight. That number oh. is way too high. It should be like four. It has moved a lot. It opened at like six, right? It opened at like six and a half oh. and went up, and everyone's just hammering. I think that that's a crazy yeah. line. I mean, the projections are like closer to a pick 'em, so. Yeah, hot tip of the day. Take take the Aztecs. I have to think about that one. I've been really yeah. high on UConn, but I've got to think about it now. Well, appreciate yeah.
4: Yeah. it. Go, yeah, go talk ahead. to you guys soon. Go fish. Yeah. Same. This is this has no relevance whatsoever. But speaking of UConn, does Maya Moore still play in the WNBA? Uh, no, she just retired. No way. She was such a god at UConn.
3: Okay, sorry. I put out a tweet earlier. And we're we're going to say one more UConn thing. I think uh, I think Hitler Clark should pull. A, uh, pull Kevin Durant and go transfer
4: to UConn this off season. Uh, that would break the league. I don't know all who right. that is for sure. You haven't
3: seen her at all, like through the news this weekend, she's literally like blown up. Oh, on social that's media. the girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, she's making going nuts. That was a fun game to watch. today. All right. Any, any last requests? I would imagine not, unless Sean's lurking. I know Sean might have something. I'll leave the door open. But anyways, like I said, lots of content coming throughout the week um between podcasts written recaps um we got series prediction shows series preview shows all all sorts of stuff we'll have another one of these seven o'clock next sunday thank you guys all for uh coming out and uh go marlins